Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to catch our new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. For more of The Issue and access to our top bets and fantasy updates, then subscribe to The Issue Miked Up. Link is on our website, which can be found in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. New subscription episodes come out every Friday. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Issue. You are now locked in and listening to The Issue. You look at this schedule. Find me the wins here. Find me the wins. You've got to be delusional if you think he's elite. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, he's a top 10 guy in this league, no doubt. Absolutely, I think they can be for a championship. I I don't even think that's a a debate I'm willing to, to have. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Thursday, February 24th. Another great episode of The Issue coming. I mean, it has been just like three episodes straight with great guests. This is now the fourth. And Luke and Tim, another fantastic episode. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys listening. If you're, you know, if you just listened for the first time uh, this past week with Coach Eric Kasberg, we appreciate you coming back. We're interviewing his one of his former players here in, I don't know, like seven, eight minutes, roughly. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Mike Kadick, you guys might have heard of him. Beast from Indiana. We'll get into it later. But uh, it's, it's, it's an always exciting... Look, just because there's no football, right? And not that we really care about NBA, but NBA is in the all-star break, and hockey's kind of in the dead period where it's like it, it might... You know, it's, it's kind of getting towards playoffs, but it's not playoffs yet, and well, it's not really down the stretch quite yet. It's complicated, but there's still... Tons of sports to talk about. So much football. We got we got a Carson Wentz topic. We got an Aaron Rodgers topic. Hey, come on, every every week, every week. GM genius later. No, yeah, it's going to be a uh, absolutely packed episode. Uh, I know Tim had a rant to start out with. Carson Wentz to Pittsburgh has been in the news a lot, um, and I've seen a few things online on other shows talking about Carson Wentz, comparing him to some other. Uh, quarterbacks in the league, especially uh, I saw Ryan Tannehill comparison that was extremely um, interesting to me. I know you have a good rant about that, so just take it well, away. Well, yeah, you know, considering considering the Steelers, um, obviously we are in Pittsburgh. A lot of you live in Pittsburgh. We care about about the Steelers, right? They have a quarterback dilemma. Who should they go get? Aaron's name's been thrown out there. Carson Wentz, Jimmy G. Uh, I, I even threw out a Gardner Minshew. Now, I'm not sure. I think we could do a little bit better than that, but still an idea. But I, I think they should make a run for either him or Jameis Winston. I'm going to narrow it down to the two. I'll talk Jameis maybe next week, another day, right? Let's focus on Carson Wentz for right now, right? So let's just trace back his his history per se, right? He was an MVP front runner, right? An injury comes back, plays decent, right? Then carries deck chair deck chairs to 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 like a winning record. Remember that season um, before last season, so 2019. With the Eagles, right? He was down to like his fourth string running back. He was throwing to a guy who was a, a quarterback in college. That was his top receiver. No, no, no. They won four straight at the end of the year for a winning record, right? So then, then, then he has a bad season, right? Year five, tough year. It happens. Peyton Manning had a rough year four. 
This, this stuff isn't supposed to be super easy, right? If it was easy, everybody would be Tom Brady. Everybody would be Peyton Manning. But th that's not the case. Well, then he completely uproots himself, picks himself up, takes him to a new team, new culture, new city, a pretty new offense, right? He knows Frank Reich, but it's not, it's not the same exact offense he was running. With new guys, year number one, great offensive mind, like I said, Frank Reich, not the same offense. though. 27 touchdowns, seven picks, a 95 QBR. Sounds pretty good. Well, here's a list of guys who we don't really even question if they're franchise guys. It, it, there might be one guy on here that, in specific, I question. But, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly an argument that he should get a contract as a franchise guy, maybe not a top guy. But So here's Derek Carr, 23 touchdowns, 14 picks, 94 QBR. I don't even think it's a question. I'd sign him tomorrow as my franchise quarterback. I'd sign him tomorrow. Well, Carson Wentz did better than him. How about, how about Kyler Murray, 24 touchdowns, 10 picks, 100 QBR. Sounds very, very similar to Carson Wentz. Less touchdowns, more picks. Pass rating slightly better because he's a little more accurate, right? Completion percentage was a little higher. How about Lamar Jackson? 16 touchdowns, 13 picks, 87 QBR. I mean, I, don't, I even heard a grumbling about, should we pay Lamar? No, it's like, it's like when and how much. I think the only guy that I can dispute and that I would, I would dispute, but you still hear a lot of guys saying, oh, he will get paid, and I do think he's going to get a shot somewhere else, is Baker Mayfield. 17 touchdowns, 13 picks, 83 QBR. Those are the guys that are going to get contracts, extensions, another chance to be a franchise guy somewhere else. That, that, that'd be Baker. I, I think you'd be crazy to not give Carson Wentz a shot. He's 29, so he's seasoned, but he's not old. He's 6'5", big, strong, can run, good arm, a little bit wild, right? Did I just explain to you Carson Wentz or, or, or Big Ben? That sounds exactly like we well, Big Ben who was super successful. He took a team, even though his stats weren't flashy this past year, he took a team with a horrendous offensive line, a defense who was supposed to be the savior of the team. They were th uh, 23rd in overall defense. Huh. Oh, and by the way, this is, the most this is most likely the best system that he will have played in. Yeah, the Colts have a good, have a good base, right? The, the offensive line is probably a little bit better. But outside of that, I think Pitt, 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 Pittsburgh's a more winning culture. Mike Tomlin's a better coach. The staff is better. The owner's probably a little bit better. If you look at overall success, probably the best situation he'd come into. I think this, the surrounding roster is slightly better outside of, like I said, offensive line. And with another draft, who the Steelers have been drafting really well the past couple years, with another draft, they can solve or at least make significant strides on the offensive line. They've been drafting well. Pretty good class this past year. You got some young offensive linemen another year in the system. Developing more. You got decent cap space. You got $24 million to go out and get a guy. Why not Carson Wentz? I mean, he's better than what you have in-house. He's better than Mason Rudolph. Certainly better than Dwayne Haskins. Now we, go get, you can, we, can, we can go get Duck Hodges again if you want. I, I mean, seriously, what's your answer? You, you can take Jimmy G if you want. Who, who knows if he's going to be healthy, right? Two out of the last four years, he hasn't been. Granted, yes, the two years he was, NFC Championship game, doesn't matter, though. You need availability. You can go get Aaron Rodgers. Well, he can't get past the first round either. Do you think that's the standard in Pittsburgh? We'll get to that later as well. Well, if that's the standard in Pittsburgh, then go for it. You can give up, give up, you know, nth amount of picks for nothing? No. Carson Wentz, cheap, easy. 
He's grown up in the room. At least he was this past year. Big, strong athlete. And stats match up with guys that we don't even question. Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. And stats stack up pretty well. I don't know. I'm going to get Carson Wentz. If I run the Steelers tomorrow, that's my first move. I'm going to get Carson Wentz. You don't have to give up a lot to get him. I think he'd be worth it. I don't know. No, yeah, it makes sense. Am I crazy? No, it makes sense. And then building that offensive line, and we know how important offensive linemen are. Speaking of which, let's get a great offensive lineman on the show. What do you say, Mike Kadick from Indiana, maybe? Absolutely, here he is. Now with us, we have offensive lineman from Indiana University, Michael Kadick, joining the show now. How are you? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Mike. It's a pleasure. Um, we know you've been working hard, and you're, and you're a busy guy, so it means a lot for you to carve out some time. Like you said, just got out of class, so uh, we're all busy college students. We can relate to that, and so we appreciate yeah. you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. So I just saw, you know, that there was like a Michigan coach uh, for basketball, but this is not, not that related, but I'll circle back, don't worry. Um, lost his temper right at the end of the game, smacked another coach on another team, right? He's having a tough yeah. season, right? Michigan was really good last season basketball, having a little bit of a tough season. You guys had a really good season, your freshman season, right? Your freshman year. Um, freshman followed up by a little bit. What's that? Freshman and uh, sophomore year. Okay, right. And then the, this past year, your, the junior year, was a little bit tough for you guys. Um, yeah. how, so how did you guys kind of keep your cool and like, keep competing? Because I saw I watched almost every game, um, I would say probably 8 out of 11, 12 games, right? And uh, you guys were competing right up until the end. What was the, the culture like that speaks to the, to the culture and to your coach, Tom Allen, uh, how did you guys kind of get through that season? Yeah, um, well, obviously after my first two seasons, um, you know, everything was going well. We made two bowl games, unfortunately lost both of them. So, and then kind of going into the last season, um, you know, things weren't going our way and we kind of knew that. But just by the way, you know, Coach Allen runs this program and all of our coaches and you know, it's about a brotherhood and loving each other and, um, you know, not, not taking, not really quitting on anyone. And, um, you're there, you're there for everybody. And, um, you know, coach Allen never, never let us, you know, get complacent in the first two seasons. So we kind of carried that over the last, last season and kind of just kept rolling, uh, kept grinding, you know, no matter what the outcome was, but, um, yeah, it speaks to the culture because, you know, who we are and what we do um, is so important to us and about loving each other and LEO and, you know, the culture is so important. So last season, even though it was tough, it was, it was a great learning uh, experience for us as well, especially for me, because, uh, you know, we were used to winning the first two seasons. So, you know, last season kind of taught us a lot and we got to learn from that. Right, I I totally agree. The whole the whole learning experience thing. I I have a rule almost that if a really good team with a good culture like you guys were the, the previous two years gets beat I, in the NFL, especially I, I I always bet that team the next week. Right, so I'm betting you guys are going to be good this year. So how do you kind of turn it around and use that as fuel? Is there is there a certain way uh, that you go about that? Uh, well, for me personally, you know, I took that as a way to. You know, like you, like you said, a little learning lesson. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things I have to work on uh, technically and just with my mindset. And uh, now that I'm getting older, I'm getting into my fourth season, 
uh, I really want to take on that leadership role a lot more. And, um, you know, I think bringing up a lot of these young kids and kind of molding them into the players that we need them to be, um, it's all part of, you know, how we are getting prepared for next season. And, um, you know, we're using that season to really fuel this off season. We've been killing it in the weight room and with conditioning and, all the uh, kind of player practices we've been doing, we've all been coming together and uh, really just saying, hey, you know, we can't change the past, but, you know, we can write the we can write the future for us. So we just have to stick together and really work this offseason and, you know, put all the uh, pieces together. Absolutely. Um, so in high school, going back, you had Eric Kasparovich as a head coach, a uh, great coach. He was on the show last week. Uh, it was great to pick his brain. He's and just has a wealth of information on football. Now flip the script. Now you have Tom Allen as your head coach over at Indiana. Obviously, another great elite coach. What are some of the similarities and differences between the two? I think it's actually uh, about a culture that they bring to the programs and just a way of their leadership. You know, Coach K. Obviously, we were uh, very talented in um, in high school, and it's just the way he you know, brought us, I mean, we all played together throughout, you know, youth and all that stuff. And the way he kind of brought us all together through, you know, culture and, you know, how we played and not so much talent. I mean, we were very talented, but, you know, talent only gets you so far without, you know, execution and just a way of, of culture really. And uh, it's the same way with coach Allen. His leadership is amazing. Um, you know, he's such a great guy. He's a, he really wants us, he really tried to mold us, to be a great father one day once we leave this um, university and because we don't play football forever. So he really wants us to, you know, create a lot of good uh, characteristics in ourselves to be successful uh, later on in life. That makes sense. Absolutely. You're, you're making men almost, not just football players. I'm with that. Uh, so, Mike, I'm with you on the offensive line, right? Gotta, you got to have a good offensive line. It, it's the foundation of a team. But then I just saw Cincinnati get to a Super Bowl with a horrific offensive line. Now, they didn't win, but they got to a Super Bowl. So what's your take on that? Do you still need an elite offensive line anymore? Because I know you're obviously – you're most likely going to say yes, but why? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that was kind of a weird situation with Cincinnati. Um, obviously, they didn't have an offensive line that was up to par. And, you know, neither did we last year. And you saw that uh, week after week. You know, I know that from firsthand basis, like we did not perform as well as we needed to as an offensive line. And an offensive line is so important. Um, I mean, as well as all the other positions, but an offensive line, I mean, it's uh, 45.45% of everyone on the, uh, on the field for an offensive standpoint. So we have the most guys on the field at one point. And if we're not gelling together, if we're not communicating and if we're not, you know, understanding the concept of play, knowing the play, you know, nothing works um, on the offense. And if one guy, you know, steps the wrong way or misses a block, then the whole play is kind of ruined. So I think if you want to go far and not even in college, but also in the NFL, I know it was a little different this year, but yeah, you need a solid line that, you know, gels together and communicates well if you, if you want to be successful in this league and in the NFL. I agree, and I think the next and most important position would be quarterback. You guys have a pretty good one in Jack Tuttle, at least from a from a talent perspective. What uh, what have you seen from this offseason from him that shows that, oh, he, he's taking the next step, he's going to be one of the top guys in the Big Ten? Yeah, well, uh, 
you know, I love Jack and he's always, he's always been a guy that really prepared. And that's why I love so much about him. He prepares you know, like a couple games last year. I know Mike got hurt early on, but Jack was preparing every single week like he was the starter. And I love that about him. He, he has an unbelievable work ethic. He cares for these guys. You know, he always makes sure his offensive linemen are doing all right. We, we meet on a week-to-week basis together as an offensive line and Jack. So the way he carries himself, not only on the field but off the field, the way he cares for people, the way he loves people, and just he's taking these steps in order to be not only for him to be successful but for everyone around him to be successful. And that's what I think people, you know, see in him a lot, and that's what I want more people to see because he's just – he's not – I mean, he's obviously so talented on the field. But what he does off the field to prepare for those time kind of things, it's amazing to see, you know, in person. And it's, you know, he has so many amazing traits, but that's what I wanted to really harp on about Jack is just his off the field kind of work ethic. I totally agree. So, like I told you, or if I, if I told you Indiana wins the 2022 Big Ten Championship, right, who are the guys that have to step up? Obviously, everybody has to step up for, for something like that to happen. The whole team needs to, you know, play well almost every week but who in specific and and what areas do you guys think that you can thrive in if i said you win the big 10 walk me through how you got there yeah i mean obviously i think it starts with the offensive line um me personally i need to step up a lot uh not only on the field but you know in leadership role and things like that i think you know we we were we're bringing back a lot of kids on the offensive line but we're kind of moving kids around from guard to tackle so I think, you know, the offensive line definitely needs to step up. I feel like everyone uh, really needs to – I mean, if we want to win the Big Ten Championship, we have to really come together as a team and, you know, work on areas to improve on. And, um, yeah, I think losing losing Micah McFadden really hurts us. But um, I think we have a great uh, linebacker core coming back with Cam Jones. He's a great leader on that defense. So, I know I have so much faith in him that he's going to get that defense uh, ready to go. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the emphasis is just on this offensive line and get, getting us ready to go for uh, September 2nd, I believe. Right. Now, Mike, you're a great athlete, great football player, great student athlete. Uh, I did see something on Twitter here. It uh, I'm looking at it right now, actually. Very interesting. Um, great story. You sent over a Christmas package for some kids, uh, some Indiana gear. It looks like a couple jerseys, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Just talk about that for a second and, uh, you know, what, what went on with that? Yeah, that was an amazing experience. And I mean, I, I kind of, this is my first time kind of doing this kind of thing for someone and it felt, you know, really good to me. And I loved, loved doing it so much. And the story is kind of, um, this family, the, the dad bought his son Easton a, uh, a jersey for his birthday. And um, they posted on Twitter, and I, my roommates were like, hey, he has the number 56 jersey on. And I kind of just like quote tweeted it, and was, or I replied to it. I was like, hey, message me when you get a chance. And we kind of just exchanged messages, and he was like, yeah, we're huge Indiana fans. My son plays football. And I really got to know the family a lot better and um, the Jessup family. And, um, you know, I really just, like, connected with this family. And I kind of go – I Easton, the son, is going through kind of the same things that I went through when I was younger. 
you know, he doesn't really feel like he fits in with his weight and things like that. And I was in the same spot and I was like, you know, I gave him a really uh, inspirational like message to kind of help him through these tough times. And, um, yeah, and I was like, Hey, like, I really want to, I'd love to send you out some things, um, you know, for Christmas. And I kind of, it, it's something so easy that I can do. Um, cause I kind of, you know, I got, gave him some cleats, some jerseys, stuff like that, but it's such like these little things that I can do that can kind of make this kid's, you know, year. And, uh, that really resonated with me and it, it made me feel really good about myself. So I, I love doing that. No, yeah, that's uh super special. It's a great thing to see. Um, Another thing, right before we uh, let you go here, we, I, my family is, uh, they're they're big IU fans. Uh, my my parents grew up there a little bit. My mom, you know, lived out there for a little while. Um, love Indiana. What's your favorite thing about that campus? About that school? Whatever it may be. Uh, well, I think first things first is, I mean, the campus is so beautiful. There's so many great things to do on campus. I mean, all the buildings are made out of limestone. It's just like such a very pleasing campus to the eye and I love just walking through campus and you know just seeing people out and about especially when it gets a little warmer out there's a lot more people out walking and just enjoying the campus and you know there's so many great things to do um just on campus and then off campus there's so many I mean a lot of my, my me and my roommates we golf a lot in the summer and uh, there's a lot of great golf courses around here. They just opened the, the IU uh, golf course, which is very hard, but uh, it's very fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's just a lot of things to do, even though it's not a big, like, city uh, of Bloomington. But it's just a great little town, and, you know, it's a great college town, and it brings a lot of people together. And, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. I love it here. Well, Mike, you're an absolute credit to the game. Uh, I'm so happy for all your successes and all your continued success, and I hope you work hard this offseason. We'll definitely be paying attention to you and come on anytime you'd like. Thank you so much, boys. I had a great time. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Tim from The Issue here. I want to talk to you a little bit about Phoenix Supplements, spelled F-N-X, pronounced Phoenix. Just ordered some. I got some coming in the mail. Go get your creatines. Go get your glutamines. Anything that you need to achieve your fitness goal is available on phoenix.com. Use the code TJ2022. They make great gifts as well. Go out, check it out, order all Phoenix stuff, phoenix.com, and use the code TJ2022. All right, we are back. Second segment, the issue right after a phenomenal interview with Big Mike Kadig, offensive guard from Indiana. God, it was good hearing from him. First of all, I, I haven't talked to him much um, lately, so it's always good to kind of hear from a guy. You, you know, we, we text every once in a while, but it's nice to kind of talk to him, hear his voice. I haven't talked to him in, in so long. Yeah, it's um, been a couple of years. It's, it's nice to pick his brain and really catch up with him. Uh, really good guy. Like I said, I said at the end, credit to the game. I truly meant it. I mean, when, when he was talking about the charity – uh, you know, work that he was able to do and, you know, the help, the, the little things. He said the little things that he was able to do to kind of put a big smile on a kid's face and really make his day, make his year, um, you know. No, it's cool to see. It was, it was really cool it was awesome to see. see. Also, the most interesting way I've ever heard an offensive line described was he used, what I believe it was 45%. Yeah, something around that. It's around 45.5% of the offense consists of the five offensive linemen. Right, so the offensive line's got to be in pe- like 
if your offensive line is bad, that's 45% of your offense that's bad. I'll be honest That's with just you. not good. I never thought to do that division. I've never thought of it that way, and that's the one that that's something that you just don't get from a guy who's never played offensive line. You've never been in those meeting rooms. You've never dedicated your craft to being a really good offensive lineman. You wouldn't know that, right? I, I wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that. No, yeah. I would never. I didn't even thought. Oh, yeah, that's a 45%. Obviously, you know it's important in football. you got to protect the quarterback. you got to be able to run the ball. I've never heard it described, well, that we're 45% of the offense, so we might as well be good. You know what I mean? So it was interesting to hear that. Very much so. Um, so in the second segment, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. We are going to I'm, open. I'm talking Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, open with Aaron Rodgers. That's never a dull moment. Uh, and then we will get into... Uh, what is it? Our well, hits and hits and misses action. For we usually do it second first segment. We usually do a first segment, but like it's big Mike Hitch. You know I, mean, I mean, with all these interviews recently, we've had to keep bumping it down to the second segment. So I think it's kind of like finding a, a new temporary home. It's finding a little home here in the second segment. Yeah. Well, I'll get started with the Aaron Aaron Rodgers rant. So I haven't really talked much Aaron Rodgers drama right on this show. It's it's kind of been a big topic, but it doesn't interest me all that much now it, it, the reason i'm talking about it now is because there has been some rumors oh is he coming to pittsburgh is he retiring you know people are expecting him to come out with his decision soon so i decided i guess now would be a good time to kind of give my two cents about it before he makes a decision and the only thing i am able to do is look retrospectively so i said on this show maybe last week or the week before right within the last couple weeks that if I ran the Steelers, that I would trade my first-round pick every year that Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback. I would trade my first-round pick. I presumed about three years to the Packers for Aaron, for you know, right the right for Aaron to be on my team, for him to be my quarterback. Because I, I figured that's what the Steelers need is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. But then I thought to myself, I'm not sure Aaron's worth worth that. The the, the key phrasing I use there is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Because that's the standard in Pittsburgh, right? The standard in Pittsburgh isn't losing in the divisional round when you're favored. If that was the standard, Aaron would be a phenomenal get for the Steelers. Because that's what he just did. And that's what he's done, I don't know, a lot of his career. Is lose at home in favored playoff games as the number one seed. I mean, if you paid him just for that, he'd be one of the more successful quarterbacks ever. I think he's overrated. I'm going to I'm going to completely walk backwards on what I said about trading three firsts from him. I'm going to flip it the entire opposite direction and I think that I'm going to stick with it. I think he's overrated. I don't think he's worth the, the the first round picks especially for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if you're the New York Jets, I'd do anything I can to get Aaron Rodgers and green and white. Because your standard is Sam Darnold recently with Mark Sanchez I mean, you, you, could set, you could tell me Joe Namath, but I'm going to tell you, okay, the 70s, we can move past that, right? What's the standard in the last decade or two? Mark Sanchez and Sam Darnold? Now Zach Wilson, who doesn't look much better? It's different for those teams. But for Pittsburgh, you got to win. Winning validates you here. And Aaron Rodgers isn't that caliber of quarterback. If I wanted a guy to win a bunch of MVPs and then me still be sitting on, on the couch at the end of January... Well, Big Ben's been fine for that for the past 15 years. That's what we just did. I think Mason Rudolph could probably do that. If our goal is to get to the wild card game, right, and get bounced in the second round, first, second round, Mason Rudolph's perfect for that. Go get Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges won a couple games. I I guarantee he could get us there. With Mike Tomlin and that staff, I think Aaron Rodgers is overrated. I'm going to tell you why. Just, Just say it out loud. 
You're at home. You're favored by five and a half against a warm weather team and it's snowing. Against a banged up Jimmy Garoppolo. Against a team whose weakness is their secondary. Then the 49ers did not score an offensive touchdown. Aaron Rodgers lost the game. They lost the football game. Favored, cold against a warm weather team. Banged up quarterback and an average quarterback at that. The team that you lost to didn't even score on offense. And you lost the game. Now close your eyes, envision this, right? Envision, step in to the, to the world, right? Envision it. Who, who's the guy that I'm describing right now? Listen, listen to this and tell me who you think it is. On the road, in windy, cold, mile-high stadium, it's the coldest Broncos playoff game to date. You're in a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. Peyton Manning's on the other sideline. Against a team whose strength is defense. And you go on the road and win 38-35 in overtime in the divisional round to get you to the AFC Championship game, which, by the way, you end up winning in Foxborough. doesn't matter, though. Well, it's Joe Flacco. That's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's got a Super Bowl. Do I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Joe Flacco? Yes, I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Joe Flacco. But sometimes stats don't tell the whole story. It's great that Aaron's got a couple MVPs. At the end of their career, who's going to be looking down at their hand and seeing one big fat ring on it? Joe Flacco? Guess who else? Aaron Rodgers. Who did more to carry that team to a championship? Joe Flacco or Aaron Rodgers? I'd argue Joe Flacco. I was a kid once in Pittsburgh, right? I, I got to live it. I got to play Joe Flacco. Watch the Steelers play Joe Flacco twice, two times a year. In playoff games and cold, windy, wet Pittsburgh, right? In Baltimore, prime time. I've also seen the Steelers play Aaron Rodgers. Who did I fear more as a fan watching the game? Who, do, who am I thinking, this game's kind of tight towards the end. Huh? I, don't, I don't know if I want to give the ball back to blank. You know who I filled in that blank with? Joe Flacco. Believe it or not, when it got down to the fourth quarter, the only person I didn't want to be on the other sideline for the Steelers was Joe Flacco. Because he was a winner. He was a gamer. Aaron Rodgers, you're at home. Five and a half point dog. Or five and a half point favorite, I'm sorry. And you lost. You lost. That, that, that's not the standard in Pittsburgh. The standard in Pittsburgh is Super Bowls. Now, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't as good as Joe Flacco. He's certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put up a vote for, for Joe Flacco. I don't even think he'll get on the ballot. I'd vote Aaron first, first ballot. But if you asked me right now, I have one playoff run. Rosters are equal. Who do I want my quarterback to be? Prime Joe Flacco or current Aaron Rodgers? I'm taking prime Joe Flacco. I swear to God, I know I sound nuts. I know I sound crazy. I'm taking Joe Flacco. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers goes on the road two mile high and beats Peyton Manning. And then the following week marches into Foxborough and beats Tom Brady. Goes to the Super Bowl against a team with so much momentum. With Colin Kaepernick playing at his prime who, for that one year, was a really good quarterback. A really smart young coach in, in, uh, in the other harbor on the other sideline. I don't even want to get into Jim versus John. I could not tell you the difference. Right? A really good defense. Patrick Willis. And you win the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers doesn't make that playoff run. There's no chance. I'll, I'll tell you that. There's no chance. And if I'm Pittsburgh, that's the standard. I want a guy who can do that. 
I don't need Aaron Rodgers to get me bounced by Jimmy Garoppolo at home. That's just not going to work for me. Yeah. That's not going to work for the Steelers. That's not the standard in Pittsburgh. It's not the standard in Pittsburgh. I walk back saying that I would trade three first for him. I wouldn't trade anything for him. I don't think he's even on my radar if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a winning quarterback. Not a winning quarterback. You know who is, though? Carson Wentz. Tony, I think Carson Wentz. Hmm. See, see, people don't like Carson Wentz because he lost a couple games at the end. But I could argue that the offensive line lost a couple at the beginning. Nobody's shipping Quentin Nelson out of town. Yeah. It's recency bias just because he had a couple games at the end that weren't good. Indianapolis has been losing to Jacksonville in Jacksonville for the last 10 years. You you read the stat. Yeah, it was They're like 0-6 like in their last six at Jacksonville, and you're just going to say, oh, that was Carson Wentz's fault this year. You've done it for the last decade. You haven't been able to beat Jacksonville at home, or I guess on the road, but yeah, like, like when Jacksonville is at home. Yeah, if you the Indianapolis in Jacksonville hasn't been successful in the last decade. They have a losing record. And so now you want to pin that on Carson Wentz? Not just losing, totally defeated, 0-6. So... Yeah. Explain um, that one to me. Yeah, so I'd go get Carson Wentz. I'm out on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. That's my opinion. I'm sticking with it. A lot of people have been asking me, like, what is what is Aaron going to do? Should the Steelers go get I don't think so. I think you should focus on Wentz, Jameis Winston, if you have to, like a Gardner Minshew, somebody like that. I wouldn't even mind giving Drew Locke another shot. I think you should go young, right? You have a young roster. You still need to build the offensive line. I'm not sure you're in a win now where you'd go get an MVP quarterback like Aaron even though it doesn't matter because I don't think he's going to take you to the promised land to begin with. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let's get into hits and misses, though. Okay. Hits. Offensive lineman, I said, I think it's a little bit of an anomaly, and I'm not saying I will fully walk back uh, my point about, you know, the Bengals drafting Panay Sewell. I think, or not drafting him. I said they should have drafted Sewell. I kind of walked it back by saying, you know what, Chase was still a really good pick. I, I was wrong there. But I, I'm not sure I'm completely going to retract the idea that an offensive line is important, uh, uh, important. I think it was an anomaly for the Bengals to get that far. Look at every other team in like the final eight, right? Look at Kansas City, good offensive line. Buffalo, good O-line. Uh, LA, good O-line. Tampa. Like all these teams have good, solid offensive lines. Since he's like the only one that had a really not good offensive line, I think it's an anomaly. And I'm gonna and, and Mike Kadick said it best. Forty-five percent of your offensive guys are on your offensive line. It better be good. It better be functional. And you better be able to keep the quarterback upright. So I'm a little bit right there on the offensive line. You got to be strong up there. Yeah, and also to go along with that, you can't be a one-dimensional team. Uh, you, you can't solely rely on your passing game. And the only way that you can be a two-dimensional team is with a very good offensive line. If you can't pass block, you better be able to run block, but then you're already leaving. Like, you have to have an offensive line that can do both. Right, right. And I think uh, Pittsburgh kind of kind of in the process of that right now, building their offensive line. All right, well, let's go with Miss Baker Mayfield. I, I don't think he is a franchise guy, although I have said I think he will get another opportunity to try to show that he is. I'm saying five years down the road, do I think he is a franchise guy? No. Do I think after he's done in Cleveland, he'll get another shot at, you know, somewhere with a with low quarterback self-esteem, like, like a Washington would throw him money or, or like a Carolina, right? But Cleveland's sticking with him. I, I wouldn't have advised it. I said they should go find a quarterback. I think the roster is too good 
to just leave it in his hands for another year. But I was wrong. Cleveland's going to stick with him. No, not he, what I would do, but it's it's the reality. If no, they're going to stick with him for another year, you know what? Thanks for the th- the free two wins every year, Cleveland. We appreciate that. He over cannot here. be Pittsburgh. He can. Thank you. Yeah, we, we appreciate those those free wins that are just going to come pouring our way. And we'll see. All right, another hit. Let's go with Christian Watson. Now, you might not recognize the name. He is a freak athlete from North Dakota State. I went on. That was the first week we did GM Genius, so that was three weeks ago. Um, And I had him as a really highly touted receiver. I go, I know he's going to fall to the second, third round, but whoever's getting him is getting a steal. What do you know? He is shooting up draft boards. People are comparing him to Julio Jones and Young Megatron. He's fast. He's big. He's got hands. Uh, I, I mean, he really, some of his film does look like a young Megatron, I will say. I don't think it's a crazy comparison. Um, I just don't like comparing people to, like, all-time greats. Right. But I don't think it's a crazy comparison. A realistic comparison would be more like a Chase Claypool. Like, a really big, fast, has hands, can go up and, uh, you know, attack at the catch point. And what do you know? I said it three weeks ago, and he is shooting up draft board for the past week, week and a half. Christian Watson, everybody remember the name. Okay, another miss. Let's go with Kenny Pickett. Um, I, I said... I worry a little bit about his hands, right? The last time I've discussed uh, hands of a quarterback was Teddy Bridgewater like six, seven years ago. And I'm not saying he's had a bad NFL career. He's made, certainly made a ton of money, won a lot of games. And if it wasn't for an injury, he probably would, you know, have a, a little bit better of a career. I'm not saying Teddy's a bust by any means. But if if you're going to pick a Kenny Pickett as high as he is being projected, I think the career outcome of a Teddy Bridgewater would be slightly underwhelming, right? So I said... I'm a little bit worried about the hands. I call me crazy. Last time we we talked about it, the, the the prospect didn't pan out quite well. Well, we asked Eric Kasparovich last year if it, or I'm sorry, last week if it bothered him or if it was a factor at all. He said not even a factor. He hasn't thought about it outside of having to wear a glove. Doesn't matter. You know who else wore a glove? Peyton Manning. So I guess it doesn't matter. I was wrong about Kenny Pickett's hands. We will see. All right, uh, uh, another hit, aggressive wins. So the Pittsburgh Steelers have been, you know, one of the more winning organizations in the league for, oh, I don't know, ever. Um, And what do you know? They go out and make an aggressive move to get Brian Flores, who I think was the best head coaching option on the market outside of maybe Brian Dable. I thought he was the best coaching candidate for head coaches. And what do you know? We just hired him as a defensive assistant to the Steelers. I think it's a fantastic hire. This now is easily one of the best staffs in football. I think Tomlin's a top five head coach. And I think Flores was probably a top 15 head coach. And we get him as an assistant. I mean, that's a loaded staff. uh, Good for the Steelers. And like I said, aggressive wins. You go make an aggressive move. Well, what do you know? They are a winning organization. All right, how about another uh, miss here? Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I think... So I, I said that he would uh, he would most likely leave, right? I, it, he might end up retiring. Did you see the cryptic post that he put yeah. online? So he was thanking everybody for a great year. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, well, he also, but it felt like a goodbye. He said that he had like 11 days or something that he took is almost like just to get his mind right. And he came back feeling like intense gratitude towards everything he's had and that everything he does have right now. So yeah, it was almost like a Brady-esque thing where he came out and he's like, look, I talked to my family, right? Like you're having these discussions, whether they're with other people or with yourself. Right. And you know how old you are and you know that this league, like, look, if it realistically, if you're going to stay in green Bay to get to it, like, Say he wins an NFC Championship game. Say he gets to a Super Bowl. Well, now you have an absolute plethora of young quarterbacks coming out of the AFC. Good luck beating a Josh Allen. Good a luck Patrick beating Mahomes. a Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert. I, I don't love him, but even a Lamar Jackson. He's He does things that 
Well, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams frankly, ended up yeah. in the Super Bowl. I'm it, with you. And, and it does. It wouldn't. And he does things that, frankly, I don't think the Packers would be able to defend and things that I don't think Rodgers would be able to replicate on the other sideline. So, question. I, I think he's maxed out his ability in Green Bay. I think so. But it looks all signs points either him returning or him retiring. You know, all this gratitude towards Green Bay and the guys there. But also, like, being thankful for the ability to play football and but also his time away from football. It was a, he kind of just thanked and was grateful for literally everything in his life, which is good. I mean, absolutely be grateful. I just, I'm not sure what to take from it. I I derived either retirement or staying in Green Bay, and I thought he was going to leave. All right, guys, well, that's hits and misses. Uh, Make sure you come back third segment for probably our favorite new game, at least my personal favorite, GM Genius. We're going to go through the entire NFC West, uh, and tell you what, if I was a GM, if we were GMs, how would we turn that franchise either around or, or, or keep building it up towards a Super Bowl and Super Bowl contention? Uh, so GM Genius, after the break. Hey guys, it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones, boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need. Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. What's up? We are back. It is the third segment of the issue here on a Thursday late in February. Uh, you know, usually we give the weather report starting the second segment, you know, but sometimes things slip our mind. You know, but being a part of a team, it's about the next man up mentality. It's about picking somebody up. Oh, you know. So, you know what? I got it. It is cold outside today. Uh, It is a brisk morning in February here in Pittsburgh. About 20, 21 degrees. Yeah, a little windy, a little windy. It's always windy here. It is always windy here. I hate wind. Uh, It it could be worse. It could be a bunch of snow, right? You'll get the occasional flurry, right? Um, Upsetting. It's, it's not too bad. But. No, uh, we got a little tease of the nice weather earlier on this week. He was like if anybody was wondering. Five on what was that Monday? I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt to the gym. It's a beautiful day. I was I was coaching baseball. I was outside in a in a short sleeve oh. shirt. We we're throwing. We we're hitting BP on the field. It felt good. Right, it felt like spring training. It felt like spring training. Oh, it felt man. like spring training. Um, well, you know what it what it is for the NFL season though is kind of like draft prep for time, free right? You're about to get into up. the off season. It is the off season, and you're getting into free agency, drafting, um, you know, shaping your team for the next season and and beyond. And uh, so let's say let's play GM GM genius where we go through the division. This week is NFC West, right? You got the Rams, Niners, Cardinals, and the Seahawks, and we'll tell you what we would do. Probably the first or second draft pick, what we would do with that. Um, and then what they should target, you know, in free agency, what, what you should spend your cap space on if you have it available. Yeah, yeah. Let's go on. Let's play GM genius for the NFC West. All right, start with the Rams because we'll go in that. We'll go in that order. Uh, they won the division, so they'll have a third and a fourth round pick. Uh, they're most likely. Uh, I think they're. Are they comp picks? It doesn't matter. They'll have a third and a fourth. Uh, first, I draft an offensive lineman. You're, you're most likely going to lose Andrew Whitworth. He's 
in his he's close to 40 as an offensive tackle, which mm-hmm. is almost unheard of. He was still playing at a really high level, but I think he'll probably walk away on top, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Won the Super Bowl, playing really, really well. Pro Bowl level play in his final season, won the Walter Payton Man of the Year. It just seems too good to kind of not go out. Um, on that high horse so I would draft an offensive lineman I really would I think everything kind of revolves around your ability to either A run the football or B keep Matt Stafford upright if you can't run the football um, I mean, you saw in the Super Bowl they couldn't run the ball but Stafford had a lot of time late in the game I mean a lot of time to find Cooper Cup Van Jefferson etc if you can get OBJ back right so I'd go draft an offensive line and then late in the draft I'd probably go to another wide out right you saw whenever you were down OBJ, you kind of got a little thin at the wideout spot. You're a little top heavy in your wide receiver room. So I'd probably go draft another. I mean, the line, the, the, the draft's giving you 20 really good wide receivers every single year. Go get one in the fifth round that can compete for the fourth or fifth wide receiver role, right? If you need him, he's at least serviceable. Just more depth at the wide receiver position because the top is really good. You'll get Robert Woods back, Cooper Cup. And then my personal opinion, I would try to sign Odell. Uh, I would go to him and say, listen, listen, man. You don't want to go to another Cleveland situation. L.A.'s nice. You can kind of blend in here. You're one of the guys. You're in Hollywood, right? You can make... Because he, he has a big brand, right? You, so you can kind of use that to your advantage. You're in Hollywood. Where else would you want to be for your brand? And you're not going to get that much money elsewhere because you just got hurt, right? So we'll give you a little bit more than, you know, bottom dollar. So you make more than you would elsewhere. And we also save some money so we can go on another, you know, big playoff run. I think that's a good strategy to employ to try to get him back. I mean, I really do. Uh, and I think if you're if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I would seriously consider it, right? You, do you really want to move again? No. You're in a great situation. No. People people love you in L.A. Um, I've talked to a lot of different people, actually, who have been like, you know what? I loved Odell in, in New York. I, I couldn't stand him when he was in Cleveland. But now they're coming back over and they're like, you know what? It's not that bad. Not, not that bad. Not that bad. And I think if he's your second or third receiver, right, which he is in this offense, Cooper Cup, the the sure number one. I could argue that Robert Woods should be the two when he comes back. But OBJ, from a volume perspective, will probably be the number two receiver. Um, He's more like a a 2A and and Woods is a 2B. That's a great spot for him to be in. I'm not sure at this stage in his career, after two ACL surgeries, he's capable of being a 1. And so I don't want to see him go somewhere else and almost be set up for failure, kind of like he was in Cleveland. That had had no good written all over it from day one. Um, So if, if I'm the Rams, I'm trying to get Odell back. If I'm Odell, I'm probably taking that deal. If they're giving me... I don't know. Say say the market for him is anywhere between two million a year and ten million a year, right? It's probably actually more like five to fifteen, right? If I'm the Rams, I'd go in and say, "Here's eight million dollars. It's more than you're probably going to make on the open market because I'm not sure with two ACLs you're going to get fifteen million. But if we can give you eight. You make three extra million than you would if you go to Carolina, right?" And we save a little bit of money because we have about $12 million allotted to our wide receiver room. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you save money. Um, okay. That's what I'd do if I'm the rent. Cardinals. Cardinals, I'd pay Kyler Murray. I think that's step one. I think I think you got to pay Kyler. I understand that he could be a little bit difficult, right? You know, he's he might not be the best leader when it comes to body language on the field. And they did lose to the Lions, and you could see that his body language wasn't good. Nobody can do what he does on the football field. I mean, you have to pay Kyler Murray, right? Is dealing with whatever drama comes with him better than going out and completely restarting at the quarterback position? 100%, right? You have a lot of talent. Your wide receiver room is loaded. 
you've been drafting pretty well the last couple years you get another draft under that gm right under that that regime to get to get more talent the defense is young and improving if you can get a jj watt back and actually stop the run you have a chance yeah the division's tough but yeah you got to pay kyler right you can't go get a new quarterback and put him in this division no kyler has way too much talent to be moved off of this quick right so you so you go you pay kyler murray right even if even if he has drama you pay kyler murray and then i a lot of people are saying go get someone to stop the run like a jordan davis right that's certainly a very viable option I also wouldn't mind getting a pass rusher because I think a pass rusher is more valuable. And if you lose Chandler Jones, which I think you should move off him, he's aging. um, And he's probably going to be expensive, right, if you were going to pay him because he's got some decent numbers. He'd be expensive for a couple years, and he's aging, and I don't think he's necessarily worth the money. And and a lot like wide receiver, the draft is giving you four good edge rushers and four solid starters that aren't maybe not Pro Bowl level, right, but that are are still serviceable. So you're getting eight minimum serviceable edge rushers almost every year in the draft it seems like or every year two years maybe i'd go i'd go get one of those um i like the the guy uh johnson from florida state i forget his first name uh, but if david uh Njabo fell from michigan i'd take him as well but i could certainly understand a jordan davis pick i would just sure up the front the front four right and then I'd probably draft O-line depth the rest of the way. If you want to sprinkle in a running back, I wouldn't mind that. Or maybe just re-sign either, either James Conner or Chase Edmonds. I don't think it really matters. Neither of them are significantly better than the other. Um, but I think it all starts with, with paying Kyler Murray, right? If you don't have the quarterback, if you don't have Kyler under center, I don't love the team as a whole. No, yeah, I think he's one of the one of the shining lights of this team, honestly. I mean, right. we, I remember reviewing Cardinals games this past season and it just seemed like you know outside of Kyler I mean when they won he he played great it was him and DeAndre Hopkins right outside of like the offense and the connection that's outside of things related to Kyler Murray what do they do well not much I mean pass rush and stop the run but then when J.J. Watt got hurt they couldn't stop the run so and then if Chandler Jones leaves you don't have a pass rush no none at all so it's like what what not connected to Kyler Murray do they do well I don't see a whole lot I mean, they run the football decently. James Conner's more of a touchdown guy than he is, like, a yards and production guy. So, I mean, look, that's still still 100% room for that. And he should have been a Pro Bowler. He was a Pro Bowler. Good. But, I mean, you don't have, like, a bell cow guy. You don't run the football like a Tennessee or something like that. No. So, outside of Kyler Murray, I'm not sure what they do all that well. So, you got to pay Kyler. All right, let's go to the 49ers. Um, I think, right now, I think that's a really, really good roster. The offensive line, I'd give a B plus, A minus to, uh, which also means the running game's an A minus. I mean, you can bring in a sixth round rookie, Elijah Mitchell, and boom, he's a Pro Bowler. So, I mean, the, the running game is fine. That's an A minus. Uh, your your weapons is is an A. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, etc. Right? You got good weapons. Maybe go draft a depth guy at later rounds. Um, your defense, your front seven is solid. Your safeties are pretty decent. You got to draft corner though. So that's where we'll lead in here. I got to draft secondary help ASAP if I'm running the Niners. I'd go get that that Josh Jovi from Alabama um, if he's available, right, in like the second-ish round uh, at 61. That's their first pick. If not, I like that Jermaine Waller from Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. It's like Virginia Tech pumps out DBs, right? Caleb Fairley last year. Um, both the Fuller brothers who have been really good pros, right? Uh, so I, I go get a V Tech guy. They, they've produced them before, and I think he's he's got some pretty good talent. He's got those long arms. Um, then I'd probably do whatever whatever I can to make Trey Lance work, right? I'd go get a DB with that first pick. Everything else, the off season, the draft, any any cap space you would spend, I think has to has to be on the offensive side of the football to make Trey Lance flourish, right? Even draft offensive line depth, I don't care. 
go get other go get other weapons. Go get a wide receiver, right? Maybe get another back in the sixth round again and just have them split with Elijah Mitchell so you're not um, you know, wearing down the tread, per se, of your running back. Do whatever you have to do to make Trey Lance comfortable and work. Because if you move off Jimmy Garoppolo after he gets you to an NFC Championship with Trey Lance and he flops, not only does Kyle Shanahan have a serious issue when it comes to his job security, but also the locker room itself. Like, what kind of message does that send to the guys that says, hey, Jimmy G was one of our best friends, one of our our best leaders. We shipped him off for a young guy. You traded up to go get him, and he stinks. That's a tough. That's a that's a tough sell. That's right? really hard to explain to a locker room. Right. So you have to do whatever you can, and it's it's tough for the media too, right? Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, was it the right move? This that you got to make Trey Lance that work." That's so much more external pressure. You have to make Trey Lance whatever you have to do to make him a really good, serviceable pro. I'm not saying he has to be an MVP candidate year one. He's got to be a B quarterback minimum because Jimmy G was. Yeah. Um, he has to be at least as good as Jimmy G. Which is you know, kind of a tall order. Jimmy G got an NFC Championship game, but it, it, that's the reality of the situation. All right, the Seahawks. Uh, I'll just leave with the fact that I didn't know that they were $35 million like under the cap. Right, They, they have some money to spend, which is kind of crazy because the Adams contract is big. Uh, Russ's contract is kind of big. That Dwayne Brown, the tackle, his contract kind of big. Uh, Bobby Wagner, right? So they're kind of star heavy, yet they still have some cap space. There, there is hope. Now, they don't have a lot of draft picks, but I'd go get an offensive lineman with some of that money. Uh, Dwayne Brown is your best offensive lineman, and I wouldn't say he's even a top 10 tackle. You're paying him like a top three tackle, so that's not good. But I, I would go out and get a really good offensive lineman somewhere. I know they don't grow on trees, but you have $35 million to spend. Go spend it, you know what I mean? Um, and then I would say... Go get wide receiver depth. I, I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is probably the most overrated uh, wide receiving duo in the league, right? I like DK, but it doesn't separate all that well. Uh, his hands are kind of shaky every once in a while, and Tyler Lockett explodes for the first four weeks of the season and then does nothing the last 12. Yeah. So uh, they're good, certainly. If you can add another piece to it, I would jump at that opportunity. And then in free agency, if you can get a corner, right? If you can split the $35 million between a corner or two and, and an offensive lineman, I mean, you're sitting pretty. That'd be huge. You're sitting pretty, right? You got a good safety. Your linebacking core is pretty good. I don't love your front four, but it, it's good enough. It's certainly serviceable. Um, and if you can sure up the outside and maybe get another wide receiver, it, it's, it's possible. I don't love the outlook. And I'm going to drop a little bit of a bombshell right here. If I had full control of Seattle, as soon as Brian Flores got fired, I would have also fired Pete Carroll and hired Brian Flores. Here's why. I think um, I think Brian Flores is a better version of, of Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll was winning, right? When he went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, got back to another, right? That Pete Carroll, I think Brian Flores is a better version of it now, right? A really smart... I hate the word charming, but like a good leader, right? Smart defensive guy who's a good leader of men. Great really charisma. Great charisma would be a perfect word. That's Charismatic. What I was looking at. Charismatic, right? Can lead a locker room. Is Understands that quarterback-coach relationship. Even though he's a defensive guy, can kind of relate to his quarterback a little bit. And, and is able to sol- completely solve the defensive side of the football. He took Miami. Within year one, that defense was solved. I think that would be it awesome if you can take that pressure off ross to score 40 get brian flores he'll solve the defense for you like he did in miami and i would argue this defense has more talent than miami did at the time 
I personally would have would have went with Brian Flores. I would I would have went out and hired him. Plus, I think secretly Russ would would want to play for Brian Flores. I, think I don't so think too. he'll say it out loud, but I, I think Russ would be really excited to play for Brian Flores. I think if that any quarterback possible. would. Um, but it is what it is. I don't know. No, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean. Steelers got him, and uh, that 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 might be the best hire of the offseason. That was surprising to me. No matter of position, I, I tweeted that out on the uh, issue Twitter. I said that might be the best hire of the entire offseason, regardless of of what position that person was hired for. Right? Obviously, I think Brian Dable will have more of an impact in New York than Flores will here. But from a pure value standpoint, I mean, you got a top fifteen head coach as an assistant. You know, you know how valuable that is? That's like a second head coach in there. Um, so, yeah, if I was Seattle, I would have went out and got him. doesn't matter. Um, but that was GM Genius. We covered the Rams, the Cardinals, the Niners, and the Seahawks. What we would do to kind of, in the Seahawks' case, kind of turn the franchise around after a bad season. In the Cardinals' case, take that next step up. The Niners as well take that next step up with a new quarterback. Um, and then the Rams to kind of stay on top. I don't know. I who do you think in this division has the best chance to make a run in the in the playoffs? I don't think it's the Rams. I think it's the Niners. I think the Niners. They've shown the ability to to do it over a prolonged period of time, kind of in a very tough league too. And, and to kind of do it as a dark horse team means a lot as well. You know, coming from that seven seed and being able to play all the way up through the right into the NFC Championship game. And they've been and, able to do and, it the and, right and, way. Yeah, they've made run it to the a Super football. Bowl. Yeah. And Jimmy G's got them there. They've gotten to a Super Bowl with a quarterback that I would classify as like middle of the road. Yeah. Kind of, he'd be a good bridge guy He's somewhere. B to B minus. And, and they got to a Super Bowl with him. I think that speaks more about the coaching, the the, the ownership, and the players around them, more culture stuff. I think that's a situation where it's going to be a plug and play. So you're right. They do have to figure out if Trey Lance is going to work. And they need to put their eggs in that basket like now. Because... Yeah. If he can be a plug-and-play type guy and he can show even flashes now being better than Jimmy G, I think they could have a really good setup for, for a playoff run in the next, like, two years, I think. Right. I think uh, I think the Niners have the most upside. I, I don't love the Rams, the idea of keeping everybody. I will say I'd keep Odell, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, really, guys, thank you for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed the Mike Kadick interview. We're going to keep you know getting a lot of good interviews on. It's been a really good past four weeks, so we thank you guys for stopping by and listening. And uh, come again next week. Uh, pretty much Thursday every week now. Uh, so stop by Thursday. Go follow the social medias. The underscore issue podcast on Instagram. Yep. The issue podcast on Twitter. Go check it out. And uh, thanks for stopping by. That was the issue.